Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of The Playlist Podcast. I am your host, Griffin Schiller, and today we're going to be breaking down, discussing, and most likely arguing over the final season of Game of Thrones. And of course, I can't do this alone, so I am joined by two fantastic guests, film critic Kathia Woods and director of programming for the Austin Asian American Film Festival, Jenny Nolf. Kathia, Jenny, uh, have you recovered yet from last night's episode? Yeah, I have. I have. What about you, Jenny? Well, I'm never going to recover because it's like my Harry Potter again (laughs) (laughs) ending on me. And I don't think they're ever going to be books. So I probably mentally will never recover from the fact that this might be the first book series ever that's finished via television you know i was thinking about that last night i'm like it's been so long since like the last book and i i just in the back of my head i'm like martin's not gonna finish this is he like he's he's kind of been like going around in circles trying to figure out an ending and so i'm i'm still not convinced that uh we're gonna get a proper ending in the books but before we get started i do want to mention that this show is part of the playlist podcast network so if you enjoy what we have to say and you want more be sure to subscribe to the podcast Podcast network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts for not only this show, but adjust your tracking, be real, director interviews, and much more. Whatever your fix is, I'm sure we have you covered. So, with that out of the way, let's uh, get into the season finale, or I sh- should say series finale, of Game of Thrones. And Jenny, I'm going to toss it to you first because... Like you said, this is your your Harry Potter. This is like your big thing. And as a as a fan of the the books, the lore, everything that has to do with Game of Thrones, were you satisfied with the conclusion that we got? Um, more or less, I was satisfied as I could be. I feel like it's really hard because a lot of the internet has said this, but the past two seasons have felt like really rushed comparatively to like seasons one through six. So it. It's as good as I expected it to be. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you there. I I think, and we'll get into this a little bit later on, but the last two seasons really should have been like two full seasons in order for like the weight to be properly felt in this episode. But Kathy, what what were your uh, overall thoughts on this episode and were you satisfied? Yeah, I mean, I think that this was... I mean, considering how the season started, right, and and some of the things, and also due to the cost, I figured like, in order to for them to be able to to not to say reduce cost, but not to go into like new realms of cost, they kind of had to rush it a little bit. So I wasn't completely surprised. And also last season, it kind of gave us an indication that's the direction they were going to go into. Yeah, for sure. That was that was a big thing. And then also, I mean, I don't know what you both think, but Benioff and Weiss going on to do, you know, the Star Wars trilogy, I'm sure had an effect on this as well. They probably were getting a little burnt out of Game of Thrones and they have like, you know, Star Wars kind of dangling in front of them. So I'm sure that that was something that was weighing heavily on their minds as well. Getting into the finale specifically, Jenny, I'm going to go back to you. What were some of your favorite moments of the finale and, and or, you know, what were some of the highlights that, that you that really stuck out to you in particular? So, I mean, the obvious one is Sansa being Queen of the North, yeah. like easily the best character arc in the series, period, that felt earned um but i also have a hot take i like bran 
being the king of Westeros. He was my favorite character in the books. So if this is George R. R. Martin's vision, literature-wise, I love the end. Show-wise, I have a lot of complaints with how they've treated Bran as a character. Mm-hmm. But... Well, we can get into that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, you know, you, you bring up the the books and whatnot. What, what are some of the? Because I I haven't read the books, and, and truthfully, I'm kind of still new to the Game of Thrones thing. Like I I binged all of the seasons like a month before the show aired, so this is all like really fresh to me. So I was able to go into this new season having seven seasons worth of lore like in the back of my head. So I guess as someone who hasn't read the books, what was like the biggest difference between Bran in the show and Bran? in the books and if you could guess how do you think martin's gonna conclude brand's arc in the books well from what i've read online most of the endings of every character about aligns with his book vision Mm -hmm. so i do see bran eventually becoming king i think that actually checks out a lot because bran has uh been looking back over a lot of things and he's the first pov character in the books if you're a fan of the books at all like he's literally like most people's favorite character because internally he has a lot of like interesting like fantasy lore attached to him because he in the books we leave him when he's learning from the three-eyed raven and he's not the three-eyed raven exactly yet uh the reeds are great counterparts to him his journey itself is fascinating beyond the wall versus like john's which is a little bit more you know the hero's journey and feels a little bit more typical but i I don't know if it will feel as rushed and i feel like well jojen is still alive in the books though he died in the show uh i think mira wouldn't leave him so readily and i feel like she would be a bigger part and aspect in him becoming the king Interesting. Kathy, what, what was your take on Bran getting the throne? And was that something that you were kind of on board with? Or did, did you not really dig it too much? No, I mean, I liked it. I think it made the most sense. He was the most neutral. He wasn't the mo- he wasn't jaded. Do you know what I mean? I think he had made his peace with once he saw Jamie, like he could have went postal and been like, oh, you know, attack him and all that other stuff because he was in his backyard, but he didn't. That kind of like gave you, now thinking back on it, gave you the first hint that he was aligning himself. Do you know what I mean? Because I was thinking like, Brandon, are you just going to hang out all night? Like, bro, it's a little cold, right? And he said, no, I'm good, I'm chilling, you know, I'm waiting on a friend. And he kind of like let him know, like, there's nothing, you can't do anything to me. Like, I'm good in spite of everything. And also, like I said, is everyone else wouldn't necessarily be using being king or the ruler for their benefit. And I kind of was halfway right because I said Sansa was is going to sit in the throne. So which she kind of is, mm-hmm. except just for the north. But I think I agree that Sansa showed the most growth. When we meet her, she's kind of like the silly girl and she is, you know, she just wants to marry the prince and do normal girly things. But through everything she went through, she kind of like made up her mind. I mean, I wrote on my Facebook saying that Sansa decided then a long time ago, she was never going to be ruled by a man or have her future determined by a man, Mm -hmm. including her brother. Hence her turning to him and being like, I love you. You're my brother. 
but we decided the North shall never be reigned again and it ruled again. So that's kind of like definitely showing her maturity and her understanding, like I'm going to determine my future. I completely agree. That was definitely the most satisfying part of the finale, which which was, you know, Sansa going and being like, I'm going to rule the North. We're going to be our own separate thing. I mean, they, they had been kind of setting it up for a while now. And so it just felt like the, the proper way to conclude that arc. In terms of Bran, I, it didn't necessarily bother me. It was just kind of... It, it made sense when you think about it in the context of the show, but it was something that, like, when they when, when Tyrion was saying, oh, it should be Bran, I, I kind of chuckled a little bit. I guess because of all the weird, just, like, meme fan theories that were out there, it was just like, oh, this this is actually what's happening. Um, but it was like, you know, once Tyrion started to explain it a little bit more, it it made sense, and, and I agree. He, he was the most neutral out of... All of them and was going to set the precedent of Westeros electing their officials, which I thought was kind of cool. I was disappointed that they didn't opt to go for a democracy, but, you know, I can't say I was I was too surprised by that. But but other than than Brandon and Sansa taking their rightful places, uh, how did you both feel about where Jon ended up? Kathy is starting with you. I mean, I'm not surprised either because he never wanted to be. He was always a simple guy. Right. He kind of got thrown into this. He he never asked to be in it. He, also, I think after what happened with Rob, he was like, no, I'm good. Like, look <laughs> all the craziness that comes with it, right? Yeah, yeah. So he never wanted it, but he was always willing to do whatever it took to have some type of justice to bring some type of normalcy back in it. So I'm not surprised because that that just wasn't him, you know. Mm-hmm. So I think in the end, it, it, it was it was unexpected a little bit because I didn't read the books, but not out of character, you know. And yeah. also, I, rem- I was just sitting there and I was like, I know you don't want to do it, John, but you've got to kill her because she's 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 already has shown you that she's going to abuse her power with Danny. And I'm like, she is going to go nuts. And I also knew that only John could do it and he was willing to sacrifice himself. Do you know what I mean? I think if Tyrion was bigger then he would have done it because he kept trying to get her to do the right thing. He just didn't have the uh, brawn. But John was like, you know what? Uh, You, I mean, this, this, we cannot have another Cersei, you know, so Mm -hmm. to say. So I definitely wasn't um, surprised at all. Yeah. And in in regards to Tyrion, when he, um, when he was walking up to to Danny after she finished giving her like little war speech, I was like, "Oh, don't don't do that! Don't don't stab her!" Because I I for a second I thought he was going to go in and try and uh, uh, kill Danny and get himself killed in the process, and I was I was very fearful of his life <laughs> at that at that point. Um, and we'll we'll get into that that whole exchange between Tyrion and John in in a second. But Jenny, um, w- with where John uh, ended up, did did you think it made sense? Were you, were you happy with it overall? So it's really interesting, I think, that he ends up kind of back in North of the Wall. Because it depends on how you look at it, if he went off with the Wildlings or if he's going to be in the Night's Watch and kind of just like a middleman between the Wildlings and the North. Mm -hmm. But um, I kind of like the open-endedness of that. But I find it... So John, as a reluctant hero, literally has never made a single choice in the story except for one, which was at the beginning when he chose to go to the Night's Watch. Mm. 
And that's the place that he kind of grew as a character. He learned to have like agency and be a leader. And then he gets thrown into the spiral that he doesn't necessarily want to be in. They throw the fact that he's a Targaryen in the rightful heir. And that's something that he has no interest in whatsoever in ruling a kingdom. And I think it's fitting that even though he didn't get to choose to go back to the wall, that it ends up being the place where he is sent. And that is the place that he's originally chosen at the beginning of the story. Yeah, that was definitely kind of a nice little wrap. Yeah. Yeah. It was rather poetic. I going back to the Targaryen thing. I know some fans were disappointed in the fact that they ultimately they, they brought up the fact that he was a Targaryen and then, more or less didn't do, I guess, what they thought that um, the showrunners were going to do with it. And was that something that bothered you, that they didn't really utilize his Targaryen heritage as much? No, they all end up crazy or dead. (laughs) Like, how many more examples did he need? Like, he's like, that's cool, but that's not really a good way to go. Like, look at... Daenerys is a perfect example. She was sweet, innocent, and the closer and closer she got to that freaking throne, the crazier she got. Mm -hmm. And all of her morals went out the window. And everything she said she wasn't going to be, she ended up becoming and more so. So John got a front row seat of his his so-called legacy and was like, I'm good. I don't want any parts of this. So, no, I, I, I don't blame him at all. If, if that was, you know, he just didn't want that for himself. Yeah, 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 definitely. Jenny? Well, I think it's really fascinating that they throw it in there that he's a Targaryen, like, towards the end. And I, I wish it wasn't as rushed storytelling-wise mm-hmm. because I think there's something really interesting in the fact that, yes, Biologically, he's a Targaryen, but he was always raised as Stark and therefore kind of always a Stark, but also raised as a bastard. So has the mindset of someone like that ancestry to him doesn't click. And I think that it also fits in his character that he kind of just ignores it at the end. I think that a lot of people I can understand like the want that once it became not a secret, wouldn't have made more sense that people would have wanted a Targaryen back on the throne. But then if you think about Robert's Rebellion and then Danny, does anyone really want a Targaryen on the throne? And there's also a little bit of poeticness to it as well, where Aemon Targaryen was one of the first people in the Night's Watch to kind of make him realize that you have to make choices and sometimes those choices aren't exactly what other people want for you or what you even want for yourself. So there's something kind of poetic that he, someone, a relative of his told him that. And then he ends up back where that relative ended up. Yeah, that is, that is very interesting. I didn't even think about that, but that's a, that's a great point. I, I kind of, I kind of looked at, uh, you know, him being told that he was a Targaryen as as like a test, you know, Um, because um, I agree, Kathy, like when when he sees what's happening with Daenerys in King's Landing and he sees what happens every time a Targaryen has gone south to, you know, become the ruler of of the the Seven Kingdoms, it's gone horribly wrong. Um, And so he has lived his whole life in the north, um, you know, joining the Night's Watch. Uh, it, it felt comfortable to him to be up there. Um, you know, he spent a lot of time with the wildlings. And so um, 
like him going off with them, with, with people that already respected him um, as a person and as a leader and, and such, it, that, that made a lot of sense to me. And he kind of forged his own path in a way and he became his own person. Yeah, he was raised by Starks and he was, um, you know, he's of Targaryen blood, but ultimately he in in the end he kind of he just he did his own thing even though he he wasn't able to make that final choice for himself um it, it's just kind of interesting that he ended up in the same place that he was uh but in a little bit different of a way so that i i i thought that was a great ending to his character and it made sense because he was someone who never wanted the throne he knew um you know, the dangers it, it posed uh, to him as a person and, and the responsibility and whatnot. Um, and so having someone like Bran take the throne instead of Jon, who's been through everything, who has the, the baggage of being a Targaryen, um, it just, it, it felt right uh, in, in that regard. Um, but the thing I want to move on to next is kind of the, th- this was an episode that really highlighted um, Tyrion and Jon, uh, because I, I, I felt like they were two characters for, for the majority of this season. Um, they had had their moments, but they didn't really get their time in the limelight. And then we we had that that fantastic conversation between Tyrion and Jon where Tyrion has to convince Jon um, that sometimes duty has to triumph over love. Um, and it was a very like Shakespearean tragedy when he has to kill uh Danny, ultimately, um, Jenny, what was your like favorite part about that exchange? And uh, do you think this is going to get uh, Peter Dinklage another um, Emmy nomination? I would say that there's probably going to be a lot of Emmy nominations thrown at Game of Thrones for its final season, whether it deserves it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I like that exchange. I just wish that John had had his own agency in choosing Danny a little bit mm-hmm. there. I, I think that Tyrion, and this is something that's really fascinating about this episode. When Tyrion is given the option and he sees him, like his life threatened, he can talk his way out of a room a hundred percent of the time. And that's exactly what he does here. He kind of, he sees his death and he makes this final plea to John saying, please, you got to kill her. She, she'll let you go near her because she's still, while she doesn't trust John, still has feelings for him, and she's very more susceptible to his, like trying to maneuver him to her side. Mm-hmm. Still, and I, I like the fact that he talks John into it because it's very Tyrion's character. But at the same time, I just I wish almost John had some agency in that scene and had finally chosen. I mean, he eventually does choose, but it's a little disappointing that Tyrion again like has to convince some character on the show to do something. That's in favor for him. Yeah, he kind of has to. Uh, I mean, he has to dangle fa- family in front of him and saying, you know, what it, think about Sansa and um, um, Arya and, and 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 such, and which I which I found to be a very uh, Lannister thing to do of him, you know, especially just given how he helped here or not how he helped uh, Jamie and or he tried to help Jamie and Cersei escape and whatnot. So that was. Um, and you know how family comes first for them, but uh, Kathy, what what did you what did you make of that exchange? Did, was it something that you enjoyed? Um, do you think that John should have had his own say in the matter as well? I think John. I feel as though it was always on John's heart, and I think it it started to turn when he saw 
her killing the children and just killing for the sake of killing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And he wasn't, I think he was there like 90% of the way. And having that conversation with Tyrion kind of got him over the hump. And I feel like um, Tyrion was like, okay, this is my last shot to get it right. I've been trying to talk her out of it and people end up getting killed and she's going to kill me if I try to talk to her one more time about it. So clearly I can't go that route. But here is my last opening. I know in the end he's going to do the right thing because he's just a good person, John. That's just the thing. Mm -hmm. And that's how John operates. He's it's good versus evil. He doesn't do gray much. And, you know, and I think it was conflicting for John because he loves her or is in love with her, even though that's really creepy, but um, (laughs) (laughs) it's weird. These people, I'm like, they, Get a chart and find out who's not on the chart, and then date that person. That's how bad they are. Yeah. But it's it's it. I think it was always on John's mind, and I think Tyrion could sense that. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I don't yeah. necessarily that Tyrion was um, trying to save himself because I feel like he's like, all right, I let my brother go. I told him what's his face. Uh, I talked to her now at nauseum about her not doing this my time is clicking like this may be a wrap for me so let me take this last little opportunity i have to get john to say hey buddy i may die but you're still here i need you to make sure like go handle her and i think that was his thing you know what i mean and i i definitely think um peter dinklage will get a nomination i think he's a phenomenal actor i hope you know, obviously his stock has risen through this, but I hope he gets roles just to play people, not yeah. just, you know, little people, because I think he's just that good, you know, and, and and he deserves it. And I think also, you know, we've had so much talk about diversity. If we're really about that, then give him the opportunity to continue to flex his talent not just in roles specifically made for somebody that is like him, Mm -hmm. but I think definitely, and I wouldn't be upset if if he got a nomination or even won an Emmy because he's just really, really good in this show. And he's definitely one of my favorite characters. Yeah, no, I I completely, that's a great point. I, 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 couldn't agree more i hope going forward he he is cast just to play you know regular people um instead of being typecast unfortunately but uh yeah this i i this this scene to me i thought you know kit harrington was excellent um uh, uh peter dinklage was excellent i thought the dialogue was was really good um it, it was well written and whatnot um and and i agree with you i i think that you know john he, john was he was 90 percent there but he was like he he was still struggling with the fact that he he loved her um so he didn't he he was trying to find any other alternative uh other than killing her but but you know Tyrion had to you know press him a little bit cuz I, I i also agree i don't i don't think Tyrion was trying to save his own skin i think he was willing to accept that he was going to die he just he kind of took a page out of uh Varys's book where um he just needed to do what was best for the realm. And I liked the fact that they threw in that line um, of him 
saying that he screwed up uh, in in betraying uh, Varys. Uh, because that that was something to me when that happened in the previous episode, I was like, it feels a little weird. Uh, maybe not out of character, but just a little questionable that that um, Tyrion would betray his friend so quickly like that. And yeah, they they had had their their struggles um, in their relationship, but there was always that kind of you know mutual respect and. Uh, you know, uh, admiration for for what the other was doing, and so to me, when when Tyrion made that decision to kind of betray Varys, that was um, that was a little puzzling. I don't know what uh, you guys thought yeah. about that. I didn't understand that either because I'm like, there was no Varys was not threatening. Like he has no armies. He's not a fighter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like everybody that he needed in order to do any type of coup was in um, King's Landing, but they're dead. Uh, And so there was no upside to that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that part, I agree with you. I didn't quite understand. I'm like, um, why is Tyrion doing this? Like, there's no benefit to him being killed. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Jenny, what did you think about that? Uh, I... I don't understand how the master of whispers who survived so many Kings and Queens <laughs> got murdered by Danny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I think the scene itself in the show is really beautiful though. Mm-hmm. And sad and tragic. And uh, well, it doesn't make sense. It's it, it showed that she, didn't care about the people anymore. I think that was the scene that actually showed her in it for herself and in it for her views and her worldviews versus anyone else's because Varys had told her in seasons past that if she had ever gone against the people, he would let her know. And he was definitely letting her know. Oh yeah. Yeah. And she was ignoring it every step of the way. And I think that was the scene versus her sitting on top of the dragon during the bells that actually was, her saying no i'm gonna do what i have to do and what i think is right which most times think they're right and that's yeah i thought it was a good scene but yeah, yeah. i don't like that he died <laughs> right no i and and i agree with you. i think the this, this scene that scene as a whole was was executed beautifully and i, I love drogon coming out of uh the the darkness and then obviously uh killing uh varies that 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 whole that was just from its uh cinematography standpoint that was gorgeous um but yeah the the thing that i i guess that 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 they didn't wrap up to me was because it's it looked like uh various was sending out you know uh his little birds to kind of spread the word that um john is the rightful heir and and such and they didn't really do anything with that i i guess they didn't necessarily have to because in in the end um the tyrant was killed, and the leaders of Westeros elected a an official, which in Bran. But um, I, I guess I would have liked a little bit more closure with that, and, and that's just like a very minor thing. But it was still something where I was like, "Huh, I, I guess what was the point of that?" But um, I guess moving forward, I we should talk about Daenerys and everything that has to deal with her. She's kind of. Um, a big part of this episode, but I, I guess to kind of, you know, talk about what happens to her in the finale, we should kind of go back an episode and talk about 
uh, her turn in the bells, which I know has been talked about at nauseum, but it's important for for this episode. So, uh, Jenny, I'm going to start with you. Did you uh, did you see Daenerys's turn coming? Do you think they handled handled it well? Um, and did you buy into you know her decisions in burning down King's Landing? So personally, I have never been a Danny fan. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know if that has a lot to do with the fact that I don't like her that much in the books, but I've always kind of seen where her character is going and I've more or less never enjoyed being in her brain. And also it, just in the books and the show in general, it's really hard to follow along with a character that's like not with all the rest of them. Mm-hmm. That being said... I I feel like while I expected the turn, I just wanted it to happen a little bit sooner because I had expected it for so long. Yeah. And I think that it just it it took so long that it dragged it out so much to the point where she, when she turns, I'm like, well, oh, duh. But there wasn't like it didn't feel satisfying. Well, that's really, not making sense at all. No, it, it does. But that's really interesting because a lot of the gripes that I hear with it is that it happened too quickly and that that whole like setup in her turn was rushed. So, so I guess you don't, you don't really, um, you don't, you don't feel that way at all then. No, I feel like they kept pausing and saying like, they almost would get there with her in season seven and eight, but then they would pull back, which was a kind of like a tug of war that I wasn't really fond of. And I feel like there was definitely enough setup along the way where, especially in Essos, where she's trying to rule and doesn't successfully do it and then kind of leaves it in shambles and then elects her boyfriend and moves on because she has bigger plans. She wants to free the whole world. And I think that when she gets there and realizes, oh, I got what I wanted because essentially she's an addict to conquering at this point and kind of her own personal worldview. She wants to keep doing that for everyone. But is that the best for everyone? Especially when she totes freedom, but all of these people that she has quote unquote freed end up following her just the same and they don't get freedom themselves. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of always been her MO. She's always led by fear. I mean, she's, she's had her advisors around her like Jorah and, and, and whatnot. But like, I, I almost feel like they, to some extent were still, they still feared her a little bit um, because they, I, they would always tell her that she's a right and she's, she's just, she's a good ruler, but if you, like you said, if you look at everything that it has happened, every time she went somewhere and just left it in shambles, she really isn't. So she was led on to believe that she was uh, this this great leader, but she, when in reality she really wasn't. Um, so that that was just that was kind of interesting there. But uh, Kathy, what, what were your thoughts on on Danny's turn? Um, did you feel the same way as Jenny, where they were kind of dragging it out, or do you think they that it felt a little more rushed? I mean, I think Jenny's right. Well, first of all, Danny never, Daenerys never was taught how to rule. Like, who was her role model? Yeah. I mean, other than her husband, who was basically a conqueror, her brother never ruled, you know what I mean? Other than spouting that he is, you know, descendant of dragons and, you know, but that's not ruling either. That's bragging more or less. And on and on and on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So she kind of like had to learn on the job and didn't learn very well. 
and her idea also, it's like Jenny said, it was like ruling by adoration and fear. And if you think about it in that scene with John, where she said, you know, I can lead by love or fear. And then he doesn't reciprocate because at the end it's his aunt and he's like, okay, we can't be creepy again. And she's like, well, then it's fear. It You saw it turning, you know, and her enjoying sitting on the throne, even though it wasn't quite King's Landing yet, but she wanted everyone to know that she was in charge. And, you know, it, it, or in the scene, too, with her and Sansa, where she's trying to manipulate Sansa and being like, oh, you know... Let's try to get along. It's for the betterment of the kingdom, you know. Uh, once I'm queen, I'm going to take care of you. And Sansa is like, I see you. I see right through you. You know, you're no better <laughs> than all the other folks that said they were going to rule by peace. You know, you're no different. And I think in that particular moment, it kind of hit home, at least for me, the Daenerys was the Daenerys that we started with is not the Daenerys sitting in at Winterfell. You know, yeah, that girl yeah. is on a mission and she is willing to lie, steal, slaughter, borrow, or whatever, in order to get her keister in that chair. And I think Sansa really, really, you know, Sansa and Arya kind of were like, mm-mm, John. Yeah. She's not it, you know. So I think uh yeah, Daenerys's whole thing. And I wasn't a big Danny fan either, because to me, it's like you were her brother. She lived under her brother's abusive thumb. Then even with her husband, that relationship started out abusive, right? It was in love. She was just this thing to him. And then, you know, you would think having gone through all of that, she would learn from that and she would be better for it. But like Jenny said, is the once she started, you know, had those dragons and saying your cares and burning people, it just went all the way bad. Yeah. And, and they even kind of, they touch on that when, um, you know, Tyrion and John are having that conversation because Tyrion talks about, you know, she went to this place and she killed the slavers, um, but kind of left the the the, the city in ruins and, and whatnot. And no one cared because the slavers were evil people. But now that she's, you know, now now that this this city, the city of, um, you know, King's Landing stands in the way of her taking the the Iron Throne, she she doesn't care. She's going to do what she's always done because no one's told her otherwise. And she's going to blame Cersei. Because Cersei never, um, you know, Cersei didn't want to surrender, which, of course, Cersei's never going to surrender. That's not in her nature. Um, so I agree with both of you. I I saw her turn coming a mile away. It never, um, it, it didn't bother me. It didn't feel rushed. Uh, it, her, you, just kind of seeing everything that I kind of, that she had kind of gone through in the past couple episodes. She lost Jorah. She lost Missandei. She, she lost her voices of reason. And so she, now she was completely unhinged and willing to do whatever. Like no one was going to tell her otherwise because Grey Worm wanted revenge. And so of course he's going to be like, yeah, go do this. I'll be right there next to you. Um, yeah. I mean, him people. I understood. 
Yeah. And yeah. also she used Jorah as a shield. Yeah. <laughs> did, did, did we forget that? I mean, she's standing behind him and pushing him and then pushing that. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, how about you just hide out yeah. and let the man fight, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. So now I, 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 I took no issue with, with Danny's turn at all. Um, definitely was was set up, and and I and I agree it was given the proper amount of of time. Um, so, but anyways, um, in terms of what happens to her in the finale, I mean, we all know that she's gonna get what's coming to her, and we can assume that John's gonna be the one to kill her because it makes the most sense. But did either of you think that maybe Arya would sneak in there and kill her because of the uh, the prophecy um, that Melisandre? Uh, had had told her earlier. I oh, you mean the eyes one? Yeah, the eyes one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did. Pers- oh, sorry. Copy. You no, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Jen. Uh, I personally wouldn't have liked it if Arya killed Danny. Um, I think that's because she doesn't really have a history with Danny, and it felt more impactful that John did. And of course, it is a song of ice and fire, and her being the fire and him being the ice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't. I don't think I could have seen it any other way without John killing her. I think that has been more or less set up for a while that they're gonna. It would have been a. I almost want to say that it would have been better if he killed himself after. But Interesting. I don't know. I love the ending. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Kathy, what, what did you at all for a second think that maybe Arya was gonna swoop in there or? No, I think Arya had two missions, right? Well, she already had her moment with the Night King, and then she wanted to kill Cersei, but obviously that didn't happen. And once that didn't happen, she she kind of like was like, "This is the difference between Danny, Daenerys, and Arya." Arya was, you know, she definitely is on her killing spree, but it's for a reason. But she's not just out there to kill. And when she had an opportunity to say, you know what, on second thought, I don't want to be like these people. I don't want to be constantly revenge, 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 kill, 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 kill. I want to live and just be at peace and just, you know, kind of like coexist with people for a while. And I knew I was like, that didn't seem like her, at least, you know, once she had that opportunity and the hound was like, go. And she's like, okay. And also she was trying to save people. So mm-hmm. that also lets you know that she was genuinely not just blood thirsty. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So I think, no, I, and I, I always thought it had to be John because of their twisted love affair. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, and once again, I completely agree. Uh, you know, the, the prophecies in this show, like the second they started saying, oh, there's going to be this happens and, and this happens in, in terms of like, you know, from prophecy standpoint, I was like, oh, they're, they're probably not going to follow through on like 80 percent of these. So that, that didn't really bother me at all. Um, I know a lot of people were kind of bummed that Arya didn't use her like many face gods abilities um, and thought that that kind of took away from her arc a little bit because then you know what's the point of having her go and train and 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 such but to me it was never those abilities that was um you know the point of her arc uh she ultimately like had to learn to i i guess kind of like become who she is when we when we see her in the beginning of season eight and whatnot and so that was kind of like a journey of 
self rediscovery. Um, that's kind of how I looked at that. But in terms of, uh, you know, the, that final scene, uh, where, where John kills, um, Danny, I, I loved every bit of it. I thought it was shot beautifully. Uh, the melting of the iron throne was gorgeous. Uh, and a lot of people have been saying this, but like Drogon got a nice character moment. You know, weirdly enough, the dragon had a, a pretty, um, a pretty powerful moment. So, uh, Jenny, going back to you, just thoughts on that scene overall. And, uh, were you happy with how it all played out with like the, the iron throne melting, you know, Drog- Drogon melting the iron throne and, and stuff like that? I mean, it's not necessarily like I'm happy that Danny died. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Um, I actually, I would say that I, I loved the Lord of the Rings imagery of like kind of the melting of the Iron Throne, mm-hmm. uh, the Ring of Power. Um, I loved Danny's final moments and final words, and how I love her how she performs it, and she truly believes what she's saying. Yeah, which makes me kind of heartbreaking in the end because you know it's just like this person who has grown up like told and been told over and over again, like what she was meant to be. And she never got to really have her own way. And when she started having her own way, she started leaving in what like she really, really thought was right. And having John just murder her in cold blood. <laughs> After yeah. She's like admitting that she can't count to 20. Um, no no, I thought it was a really nice scene and I think that the Drogon part was really sweet and there there was it's it's soft which I enjoyed but also I mean at the end of the day she's walking through the ashes of the people she just burned and she's saying this is exactly what needed to be happen yeah like needed to happen yeah yeah definitely yeah there's a lot going on that scene is it was really well done I think though at the end of the day yeah, I th- I think other than like the last ten minute montage of the Starks going their their own separate ways, that was probably my favorite sequence in the film. Um, and yeah, I mean it was it was very Shakespearean. It was we all knew it was going to be a tragic love affair, and either both of them or one of them uh, was going to end up dead. Uh, I I did kind of like the parallels to uh you you know Jamie killing the Mad King and kind of how they 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 kind of alluded to that a little bit when John showed up. Um, and so that was, that was, uh, an, another just like nice pull from, uh, Benny off and Weiss. But, um, Kathy, what did you, what were your overall thoughts on that sequence? I mean, I thought it was beautifully shot. I'm glad that they burned that throne. That thing has caused more problems than it needs. I'm like, you know, <laughs> Bran already has a chair. He doesn't need that throne. He's good, you know? And, and I was like, and I thought it was so poignant, like for Drogon to be like, you know what? This needs to go. Yeah. This is This thing is the reason we're all here, the obsession with it. And I'm going to take care of Daenerys and hopefully there finally will be some peace. But this thing, it's almost like, you know, she touched it and it was almost like an addict, like finally, you know what I mean? I'm near it. And it's like, he was like, I don't like what happened, but I'm going to do my part that this madness stops too. So, so yeah. And I definitely thought it was beautifully shot. For, you know, I mean, dragons don't really exist, but they gave him 
character and they gave him emotion and also fortitude, which is a lot thinking that it is a dragon. And also <laughs> yeah. the wherewithal to be like, he could have, it could have went like a different way. He could have turned on John and burned him. Right. Yeah. For a second, and, I and thought he was, go- I thought he was going to, and then we were going to see John, you know, a pull, pull a Daenerys and just be perfectly fine because he survived fire. But uh, exactly, yeah. I thought that too. I'm like, he is a Targaryen, you know, so he may be okay. But I really did think I said, oh well, John, there you go. You're gonna get barbecued. <laughs> but it's like Drolin was like, all right, you made your choice. You're gonna live with it. But I'm taking the throne and I'm taking Danny with me and I'm out of here. And I'm thinking, like, where where is he going? Like, is he chilling? Is he does he have his place? All mapped out where he's like, I'm done with men. <laughs> yeah, actually, that was going to be my next question. Where did where do you uh, where do you both think Drogon went? Did he just go back to, you know, where where he, he was essentially born or whatnot? Or do you think he has some like hideout somewhere? I <laughs> probably know he's burning Essos down. Oh, yeah, right. That's, that's <laughs> he started. Yeah, that's the most likely out of you know where he went. Um, it's like I'm I'm unchained now. I have free reign to do whatever I want. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I'm done with people, period. You've got my brothers killed. Uh, we're, this is, he's like, this is too much. I'm retired. Y'all can have it. You know, <laughs> that, that's him. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I do want to say, I, I thought, um, I thought Kit Harrington was excellent in this scene and it's we don't always get a lot of emotion from him i i mean i think he does he does subtle emotion really well with the character but like in this sequence you could really feel that it hurt him uh to have to do what he did and like seeing him break down and looking at drogon who he he had no idea whether drogon was gonna uh you know, barbecue him or whatnot. And so I, I just, I, I really appreciated, um, the acting in that scene. And I mean, you know, I, it should come as no surprise. The acting in the show is, is excellent. And especially Amelia Clark has, has given such a great performance this season in, especially in episode five. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, so, so moving on to the, the ending, the proper ending, that like 10 minute, um, montage where, where the Starks are going their, uh, their own separate ways. Uh, for me, that was, that was the most satisfying part of this episode. Uh, and it was the part that really, it made me smile when, when the credits started rolling. Cause I was like, they, they did it. The Starks, uh, you know, they they went through hell and seeing them, you know, end up where they were, uh, they were succeeding in their own right. Uh, it it was just very fitting and and satisfying. I, I don't know what you both thought, uh, Jenny, starting with you. Oh, I yeah, I loved it. I sobbed during it. Yeah, same. same. <laughs> um, so there's kind of it, it's really sweet that like. I don't know, almost 30 years ago, George R. R. Martin thought of this one scene of the Starks finding their dire wolves and thinking, oh, I have an idea for a Game of Thrones um, or a Song of Ice and Fire. And essentially, at the end of the day, the show was about a family who was torn apart by politics, and then they ended up rising above mm-hmm. from either, like, I mean, Bran, who was crippled, uh, Sansa, who has been more or less like 
tortured by many political people in high political power. Uh, Arya, who wanted to become a master of, she she wanted to become a knight. Brandon too, actually. Mm-hmm. But Arya actually ends up becoming kind of like this badass female. No different than Brienne. And then John at the end, who just ends up living his life and doing what he feels is right, which is being in the Night's Watch. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely, it was. It was super poetic, and all of those all of those people who were complaining that that John didn't get to say goodbye to Ghost. Well, guess what? He had his moment with Ghost, and that was um that was perfect. That was that was that was perfect. So I I, I loved that. But uh, Kathy, did you love the uh the the final montage? And did that was that bit satisfying to you? Yeah, I I, I mean I think if no one else deserved to be back on top was the Starks. They never asked for any of this. Yeah. They just were over there living their life peacefully in the North. And Robert comes and Ned was like, nah, I don't really want to be the hand. And he's like, yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, again, you know, brands like, I don't really want to do this, but I've seen what happens when decent people don't rule. So I'll do it. But I definitely, I absolutely Sansa deserves to be queen of the North. Uh, absolutely. You know, Arya too, having some peace, you know, after seeing her father get murdered. Bran, absolutely. I mean, he lost his ability to, 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 to walk, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And absolutely. If anybody, and even John, cause I consider John more a star than a Targaryen. Absolutely, and I think, yeah. yeah, I, even him, you know, he, he did his family right. He avenged his brother's death. And 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 his mother and his stepmother and all of them. So I think he he definitely I think that was a beautiful thing and seeing, you know, the beautiful dress for Sansa and just her her coronation, uh, you know, brand too when they have their first council meeting and it was just going all the way south and him being like, It's gonna be a work in progress. I know this, we're gonna get it right. And and just Arya you know, off to discover new lands, you know, yeah, that yeah. if we do do another show, I would love to see, you know, I can see Arya bringing, you know, um, new kingdoms in, in into, it'll be like the 12 kingdoms because Arya discovered six more, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the spinoff I want to see as well as the, is Arya going, going West and whatnot. But, uh, but speaking of, of Bran's council, did you like, uh, you know, the the council that he chose, I guess, or that um, you know, Tyrion chose. Did that make sense to you? Did did, did that feel did that feel right? Um, yeah, yeah. But what's left? I mean, who's left? I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess that's true. Pickings like, <laughs> were slim. Like all the really the people that had experience in ruling have been murdered or ran away, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so this is what he was left with, you know, like Sam. Absolutely. Like Sam has to be there cause he's the smartest person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, then wh- who else is there? Like Brienne. Yes. Because again, she's brave and she's earned it, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, what is it? Braun? Well, he's there by default. Like he hustled his way in it. And I thought it was interesting. I'm like, 
the hustler controls the money. Yeah. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> how did this happen? Yeah, you know. Yeah. But again, we do have balance because Brielle is like, we're not spending money on whorehouses, yeah. but we don't have roads or anything or ships. Like, come on. So I definitely think uh, it's it, it would make like that alone is worth the show, right? The mm-hmm. council. So I think, again, it was by default. Like, who do we have left? Like, he's going down, down his list. Oh, dead. Murdered. <laughs> Died. Escaped. Yeah. Okay. So who's here? Okay, that's who it will serve. Yeah, no, I once again completely agree. It was and and it felt right. And the thing I, I going back to Brienne a little bit, I loved the bit where she filled in you know, the the great deeds of, of Jamie Lannister. That was such a a touching moment. Um and and you know, truthfully the proper conclusion to Jamie and Brienne's uh arc together. So that I, I I love that. I know there have been memes about it on the internet, like there are with everything. But that I I, I love that moment. Uh, Jenny, did you have any problems with the the council with Brand's council? Uh, I, I don't. I don't understand why he said he still needs the master of whispers because Brand sees all and knows all. Supposedly, <laughs> yeah, that's but, a good point. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, find a master of whispers. It's like, do you need one, Brand? Though, right, <laughs> but, right. Uh, um, I, I I think it's really like nice and sweet that all the characters that seemed small all ended up kind of where they are Davos being maybe my favorite because he went from being an older man who was very illiterate and kind of a smuggler and now he's the master of ships and correct scammer (laughs) yeah that's wow I I, yeah that I, I didn't even think about that you look at his whole journey and that's that's a pretty it's a pretty fulfilling um ending for him i i, I would agree uh but yeah j- so to kind of like put a cap on that whole discussion i i i think with the characters we had left where they ended up uh whether it be the starks or um the council it it felt right um and and if anything and i don't really think it was too much of an issue but it just it almost felt like too predictable like of course this was going to happen but it, it, they they did it in a way where it was satisfying. I think my my only complaint with this episode in particular, um, and this is going to be kind of our segue into what we didn't like, was that I it felt like two episodes kind of meshed into one, um, and and I feel like some of the the weightier moments in the finale would have had um, they would have been more impactful had this been a full season and maybe the episode before um, the second half of this episode was, you know, uh, uh, Danny, you know, everything that, that happened with Danny at the, the first half of half of this um, episode. So I, that, that was kind of just like the big thing to me. This, this episode felt the most um, affected by the lack of a full season. I would say, I don't know if, if either of you uh, felt the same, uh, Kathy, we'll, we'll start with you. I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I it's twofold, right? There's only so many war scenes and so much slaughtering that could occur. Mm-hmm. I mean, people, everybody that was a major player in this was dead already by the time we got to this episode. So had to be some sense of calmness, you know, and, and some sense of order, Okay, Cersei's gone, right? Well, however you felt about it, she was 
for lack of a better word, the queen. So the queen is dead. John kills Daenerys. So, okay, but it is, it's way bigger than just about who's going to sit on that Iron Throne. Mm-hmm. How are we going to get some sense of stability back in the kingdom? Because... Within the municipalities, people were infighting within those, you know. Yeah. So other than Winterfell, the North, who kind of like made up their mind, we are going to be our own entity. We're going to help you guys, but in exchange, you're going to let us be. We are done with you. We have paid our debt. So I think that was that, was that you know, and who was going to be the new house, so to say, or who was going to continue it? Because again, so many people, I mean, other when Tyrion goes, let's say Tyrion, let's take Tyrion, for example. If Tyrion doesn't get married and have kids, the Lannisters are done. Yeah. So I think we needed to see, um, I would have liked if this would have been like a 1A and 1B just to kind of like set up what, the kingdom was going to be or give us an idea. We got a little glimpse of it because in the end, even like when Tyrion was brought up, right. I kind of had to pause and say, and when, you know, he kind of, I'm like, well, where did the beard come from? I mean, you were only down there like a day. And then he clarified that I was down there weeks, you know what I mean? Or even John, I'm like, well, when did John get arrested? So it would have been nice if they clarified or showed him like what the John, I would like to see John come out of there and kind of like, I can see John not running and being like holding the knife with the blood and being like, okay, take me. I did it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm ready for whatever. So I think that was a little bit missing, but I think a lot of people wanted there to be more warring. I'm like, there's no one left to kill. Drogon burned everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's who, true. who are we fighting now? You know? Right. I, I think what I would have liked to have seen was just maybe a little more of, of Danny ruling, I guess, you, you know, um, just, just so John, I guess could have, could have felt that uh, he needed to kill her a little bit more. Like, yeah, the the conversation with Tyrion um, sways him in that direction, but if he's seeing firsthand for himself some of, you know, more atrocities that she's committing um, and how she truly is a tyrant, uh, that, that probably would have uh, helped him, you know, kind of connect the dots on his own and then throw in Tyrion's conversation with him and it his... His, I guess, you know, him turning and making that decision on his own would have, I guess, been a little more satisfying. But, uh, but yeah, I, I agree. Having having it be like a, a a part A and part B, I definitely feel uh, would have benefited both halves of the episode. Uh, so yeah, uh, Jenny, what what did you uh, think about that? Yeah, I I agree. I actually, yeah, I, I think you mentioned this before. Both those seasons, seven and eight, should have been ten episodes long. Yeah. I feel like it almost. I know that technically speaking, season eight is ten episodes long, minutes wise. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you actually feel that because an episode has a beginning, middle, and end, and we didn't get a full set of those like we have in the past seasons. So like more characters, like for example, in this final episode, you have this like beautiful moment post like the burning of King's Landing where you see Danny finally as a tyrant. They shot that so well. Oh, gosh. And the I love the scene. Yes. Yeah. 
and like the ash is falling and the whole scene is beautiful. And then all of a sudden you're in this bright, lovely daylight. Everyone is somehow, you know, as they do in Westeros now in the past two seasons, they've operated mm-hmm. <laughs> down to Westeros or into King's Landing. And the council meeting felt so rushed yeah. on top of it all. Like Tyrion does that lovely speech. He's like, I've been thinking for a while for the past, like however many weeks he's been stuck there and who knows where John is. Right. Um, <laughs> and this like moment in time, I, I feel like that council meeting would have like lasted a lot longer and had more like weighty discussions than Tyrion breaking out of the jail cell and being like, it's Bran. And then them all going, Hey, you know, that seems right. I feel like there would have been a lot more discourse in a previous season. Oh, that would last like at least like 25 minutes. Yeah. And they would have broke and then come back and it wouldn't have just been decided all in one sitting. And I feel like that did it. Yeah. A little bit of a disservice to the episode and the pacing of it. No, I I completely agree because they they had an entire episode that was just that in season seven. So it's like you can you see that the potential for a full episode where they're, you know, discussing the future of Westeros is 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 possible. So, um, yeah, I agree. You know, I would have liked to have seen uh, John kind of dealing with the repercussions of having killed Danny, having to figure out what he's going to going to do, maybe seeing, how, you know, the Unsullied, how they reacted to the the death of da- Daenerys, because we don't really get, I mean, we get a sense of it, but, um, and we can only assume that they were not happy with it, but I, I would have liked maybe a little bit more from them, uh, and especially Grey Worm, because we don't, I, I mean, you know, this was, this was someone he's yeah. followed for, for, years and into the fray countless times and we don't really get that that moment of him seeing what happened and him reacting uh and yeah may, maybe a scene with, with with Tyrion you know really contemplating or whatnot or I don't know something like that but 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 I agree um but in in general in terms of this episode uh Kathy going back to you what what were some of the things that you maybe didn't like about it Again, I wish we would have had that moment where, you know, John made this incredible decision and the accountability and also how the Ansali, because the Ansali, you know, freedom is a new thing for them. And they've kind of only known it through the interpretation of Daenerys, you know, Mm -hmm. that's their anchor to it and how they reacted with her being gone. I would have liked to see that. Okay, well, what now? Like a whole thing was the father's woman around. We came here to get her on the throne. Now she's dead. Like what's chapter two? Right. Because the Ansala yeah. are just a bunch of people that were taken from their planet and enforced and made into this unit. So how do they decide where they're going? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because again, uh, it, they're all from different places. And, and why, you know what I mean? I would like to have... You know, Grey Worm also have his moment. Like the woman he loved was murdered in front of him and he never got a chance to avenge that. Yeah, he had his outburst, but he never got to any of the Lannisters. You know, not Tyrion because he wasn't a part of it, but he never got to voice that or even no one ever asked Grey Worm, are you okay? Yeah. We yeah. everybody. We asked everybody in this thing. You know, we asked Brienne, we asked Sansa, we asked Arya. No one asked Grey Worm when Miss Andre was murdered. 
Not even Daenerys. She never like even like even when when I thought okay there was an opening when she gave him Miss Andre's belt buckle whatever that was right and it was just like oh here it is not like we never got to talk about it we what do you want to do it was just basically like here and I'm like well okay no one's going to ask the man if he's okay he's he's still processing it so I would have liked to see him because I thought it was so great the man learned English he fell in love in spite of all the odds and then I felt that kind of like stunted his growth like I'm like so he's not allowed to show any more emotion other than that. So I yeah. would have loved for him to have his moment and kind of like voice how he felt about everything. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, actually, one of my biggest complaints is I feel like Grey Worm and Missandei weren't given enough this season, uh, especially specifically Grey Worm, because there's a really interesting scene that happens. I believe it's in the second episode of this season where Missandei and Grey Worm both talk about going back to Noth. And in theory of them discussing that, they're basically abandoning Danny. Because they don't want, like, after the, they're like, after her war, we're done following her. We can go do our own thing. Well, then Masande ends up getting captured. She dies. And then Grey Worm kind of loses that fuel and that drive that he had to kind of break away from somebody who, you know, said that he was, quote, unquote, free, but never really let him be free or let him make his own decisions. So then when this person, this figure that he's kind of fallen under finally dies, like what does his freedom look like to him? Yeah. Um, and I feel like that did, uh, it was like a little bit wasted. I felt. Yeah. We had this beautiful moment where they finally are like, we're free people. We can plan a future. We can have a life together. We can grow old together. And, you know, because they're like, these people right here, they're not, you, look how they're looking at us. And this was never our thing to begin with. We kind of like are doing it because she freed us. But once we get the King's Landing, she sits on that throne, we have paid our debt. That was basically their little chit chat like that. But then we never got to expound upon that, you know what I mean? And I thought just their whole relationship, these people, they grew and they bonded to each other and Miss Andre saw more of Grey Worm than just this warrior, like she saw into his soul. And for them to to have this type of little bit, like, you know, I yeah, that was not good. I did not like that either. Yeah, they. I, I, I agree, I think, both of them definitely got the the shaft this season. Um, well, I, I'll, I'll pose this question. Do you think um, there was a way with these six episodes that they could have written, you know, a, a proper fulfilling conclusion to both of those characters? Or was there just not enough time? Did they need that full season in order to properly do that? I'm not sure it was in the writer's interest. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good point. Sorry. I think there was interest. I think we, they were one of my favorite characters on the show. I think there was interest and just to see them talking. And I definitely, I'm like, she gets murdered so brutally. And also, why did she say Dracaris? Right. And, and 
Oh, she, she gets murdered so brutally. And and I understand he, he was taught to internalize and his way to deal with stuff is he was going to go out and kill everybody. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at some point, like I said, the killing stopped and he had to realize that he now is alive, but he doesn't have her. How does he put the pieces together? He doesn't yeah. have war anymore and he doesn't have Missandre. Like, what is the thing that's going to keep him going? Other than getting on a boat to go God knows where. Right, to right. not where the poisonous butterflies live. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, right. Now, I... Once again, com- completely agree. I-, I think maybe having an episode, and I don't know if either of you watch uh, Westworld at all, but in-, in season two of Westworld, there was um, there was an episode specifically dedicated to um, this this Native American character, which I a lot of people felt it to be the like the best episode of the season because of how you know you know distinct it was, and, and because it w- it gave the proper development to what is. Uh, you know, for all intents and purposes, a side character in the greater scheme of things. And so I think had they done something similar with with uh, Grey Worm and Misandre, uh, if they had one episode just dedicated to them and, you know, that it could be the episode after what happens um, in the Bells, you know, that would have been the perfect placement for that. You, you know, Danny's setting up her new order and, and how she's going to rule. And then we're also getting a, a good chunk of time devoted to Grey Worm and how he's dealing with uh, the repercussions of this. That would have been a very powerful episode, I feel. Um, and unfortunately, I think that's that's just one of the things you get with so, with a six episode um, final season because you're right, Jenny. Uh, like the the episodes are long, and yeah, it, so it has the length of a full season. But each episode, um, you know, you can only go so many places and do so many things in one episode. Um, and so you that's why you have like the breaks in episodes that kind of like have passages in time and and go to different places and whatnot and dedicate you know episodes to like specific characters and and I think that that was you really felt that this season and and actually even season season seven as well I, I think a lot of the problems that kind of came about in season eight were a result of season seven um and and I think everyone's like you know putting the blame on this season but it's really a joint effort between both. I think season seven should have been the season where they deal with the White Walkers. It should have been that should have been the sole focus of that season where the the final episode is the Battle of Winterfell. And then we, we see how that happens. And then season eight is where we uh, they tackle, you know, uh, Danny turning into the Mad Queen, her ruling for a little bit, becoming this tyrant. Um, and then ultimately her downfall in the resolution. I thought th- compartmentalizing both of those storylines into their respective seasons would have been the best way to uh, have, have ultimately just like concluded the story. Yeah, yeah, definitely agree. Yeah. Um. So okay, kind of kind of moving forward now. Just season eight as a whole. I I think. You know, they, it had its fair share of of things that disappointed us, but I, I think when it hit those those peaks, they were really high and they were really satisfying. You know, episode two was 
beautiful. It was everything we all loved about the show and what we all fell in love with it from the beginning. Um, you know, episode three and five was the spectacle. It was the action. It was it was what we loved about, um, you know, those. But on the flip side of that, we, you know, in episode three, I, I think there was some things, some creative choices that I didn't really agree with. Um, and I mean, first of all, I couldn't see anything. So that was a big problem. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and so I, I guess kind of to get your take on, on season eight as a whole, uh, Kathy, starting with you, uh, did, were you, like, what were your kind of overall thoughts on this season? Do you think the highs outweighed the lows, uh, or do you think it was kind of a disappointing final season? I mean, I think it was okay. It Was it as good as some of the other seasons? No. I mean, definitely uh, the the night battle, uh, you know, Arya killing the Night King. That was cool. Like, yeah. you know, we all were like, yeah, you know what I mean? Because at first we're like, is everybody dead? Yeah. Um, I definitely um, like that. The Star Kids being united, you know, and and just being all at Winterfell. Then that was good to see. Uh, I also enjoyed the moment with Bran. And Jamie locked eyes, and we're like, ooh, what's yeah. going to happen here? Uh, just overall, uh, Brienne being knighted, that was, I mean, she's so, that's the one thing she wanted, you know what I mean? Um, I, I did, you know, those moments were really, really great. And you don't want to, uh, you know, moment I didn't love, unfortunately, and I figured things were, it was too peaceful, Missandre getting murdered did not enjoy that. I kind of found it anticlimactic because I really wanted Cersei to get hers. Mm -hmm. You know, all the damage, the reason we're in this mess was because of her manipulation and greed, you know, whether it's her crazy kids or her. And then she gets to die with Jamie in a rubble. Ugh. I kind of wanted her to, to kind of go differently. So that makes me want to say maybe I want to, I should read the books. Maybe she dies differently in there. And I will say I enjoyed the, um, the battle between the hound and the mountain, which was creepy, but in a good way. So it had its ups and downs. I give it overall like um, a 6.9. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I think that's a, that's a, a fair uh a fair rating um i yeah obviously like the them all you know seeing each other again in winterfell was was super uh satisfying i, th I think my problem with that first episode is that if this was a full season that episode is great it's a great way to start off the season but because they're crunched for time it it feels a tad self-indulgent you know uh like I, I feel like they should have like gotten the ball rolling a little bit and maybe uh I, I don't know, maybe that would have rushed things even more so, but uh, I don't know. Uh, Jenny, what are your overall thoughts on this season? I I think it's one of the weaker ones, mainly because of its, it being six episodes long and they're not, there's not much going on and there's not a lot of room to breathe because when you have beautiful episodes like one and two, and even three, where there's a lot of like breathing room and it kind of is all this like giant lead up, it feels like the show that I fell in love with post reading some of the books. And then you get the last three episodes, which feel very, very rushed and very like, although they have their beautiful moments, they just don't feel satisfying. And, um, Kathy, I mentioned Cersei, which is actually one of my biggest disappointments in this season. And even last season is that she takes back 
King's Landing with a lot of wildfire and blood. And what does that nothing for two seasons yeah. until Danny comes and kills her? I, it was kind of cool at the end of season seven where she's like, she lied about sending her army, but what does she really do up until then at that point too? And then she sits and sips wine out a window and gets paid a ridiculous amount of money to do it. <laughs> um, best job ever. Yeah. <laughs> but I, and I've been reading a lot and there are a few characters in the book that, you know, were omitted from the show. And one theory now going around that I hadn't seen before is that there is a third Targaryen, so to speak, alive and well in the books and that he may or may not kill Cersei. And that actually like the theory is Cersei's death. Well, there is some kind of nice book end to her and Jamie dying together and the prophecy that doesn't exist to the show where mm-hmm. her younger brother supposedly kills her. But what if her younger brother kills her, but it's kind of an accident because he's trying to save her. Um, there's a lot of like interesting parts to it, but yeah, Cersei's arc in the end of the day, really bummed me out and I felt like one of my favorite characters was just kind of wasted and when it feels that way with a lot like uh Jamie is a good example as well where it seems like he's getting better and then just this turn and I feel like in a world where the season was longer that turn could have been a lot more interesting because you could have had at least an episode with him or two with him and Brienne and then when he kind of reverts back to himself it would have been as twisty as I think the red wedding or something like that in the past has been and people have loved, but it, because it happens all within the course of like a 30 minutes where he sleeps with Brienne and then decides, Oh, I want to go back to Cersei. It just feels unsatisfying. And I think that's a lot of the season is like highs are really great, but overall this season feels more, more or less unsatisfying than previous seasons. And I think it kind of goes with, along with season five, seven and eight being a little bit more murky. Yeah. And I wish that they had kept up with the momentum of season six sometimes. Gosh. Yeah. That's, that's so true. Well, and especially season six is my favorite season of the show. So I, oh, I really? yeah, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, lo- I thought it had the perfect balance of like the, you know, high like fantasy, like action stuff with like, you know, Battle of the Bastards and whatnot, but mixed in with enough of that political intrigue that we loved from the beginning. And and the focus was on the characters. Whenever the show is focused on the people and their conflict and their, you know, turning against one another, stabbing each other in the back and whatnot, that is when, that is where the show is at its best, I think at least. I don't know how, if you guys feel the same. Yeah, I agree. I feel like this show kind of let its characters down by making them a little bit more to note than fully fleshed out. Like they, they fleshed them out for six seasons and then kind of took the two, like one or two aspects of these characters that we all really love and like, and didn't really continue to flesh them out, which is why I think that a lot of people complained about Danny feeling fast. It's because, you know, if you're watching this very casually and she's always been your favorite and then they kept some of those favorite parts of her, but never really kind of explored others that they have been exploring in the past. Like you almost forget that where she comes from and how she teeters like a certain way, yep. which, yeah. And I feel like that, that in itself is a huge issue and it happens with a lot of characters too, not just her, but her, I think it was cause she was like a main character and one of the, the main five that I think George R. R. Martin mentioned were the most important um yeah just kind of feels like a letdown sometimes 
Yeah, I I think that's a that's a great point you bring up about Danny. I had because you're right. They kind of like they they elevated like certain aspects of her, but they kind of just got rid of the other stuff that made her that made you know people fall in love with her. And I agree. Had this been a full season, which I think that's kind of uh, where we'll put the cap on this season is the the problem was they didn't. Uh, well, I think there's kind of two problems here. There's one they. they it was they didn't have the they didn't tell the story they needed to tell uh in the proper amount of episodes um and then uh that's kind of like one way i'm going and then the other way is that uh if if six episodes truly was enough time for them then they didn't utilize their time wisely and that's kind of the other side of it um but uh Question for you, Jenny, you know, having read the books, do you think that uh, when when George R. R. Martin eventually gets to those final books, do you think this is a, the story is going to end in a similar way, but we'll just get that much needed detail that'll make the ending more satisfying? I think the Starks definitely will end the same way. And I think the people who died will be dead. I, I don't think Cersei dies by Danny. I, I don't know if I believe that. I think that in the books, her story is coming more to a quick end. Um, and I just, I don't think that Danny will be the one that kills her. But I do think that she messes up. We haven't even got to the part where she blows up the set. Like, I don't even know if she does that in the books. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there are a few characters where I kind of wonder if that's their end and that's the right end but the starks i believe that holds true to me at least and brianne actually being the captain of the kingsguard that also feels like there's a ring of truth to that yeah so it's kind of like the stuff that feels right when when it concluded that's that's the stuff that you think is going to be you know carried over into the books yeah um I mean, that's if the books get published. <laughs> well, you know, that's the I mean, perfect segue. There's an yeah. audience for it. Yeah. It's an easy sell. And I think, you know, not having, I feel like that's the one good thing about books. He has the luxury, you know, whereas with this, I mean, and we don't know, like, I don't, like, you know, it's so easy for us to speculate because we're not on the side of production. And this is an extremely expensive show with a huge cast. And I'm sure people had pay raises and, you know, when you start adding things up, it probably will make our eyeballs pop out. So, <laughs> you know, some small nation out there is could, could have been saved for this amount of money. But with the books, he has the luxury of being able to take his time and to be more detailed. So I, I, I just saying as a, re, a vivid reader, I can't see him letting Cersei off the hook like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Especially seeing the havoc that she has caused. And also we might get that backstory on Grey Worm. We might get that that piece, you know, on John and 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 so forth. So that's the beauty of the thing is he can write he can basically write an eight hundred page book and really get into the nitty gritty of it and we all would read it. Just because we would want to know like, does he agree with that perspective, you know, the D and D talk. Yeah. 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 That's a good, he, well, you know, he can kind of sit back and see, you know, okay, what, what stuff isn't working. 
um, what stuff is working, how are the, how is the audience kind of responding to that. And I'm not saying he's going to take into account those lunatics who are starting the petitions, but, you know, it he can kind of take a look at some of the more well-founded criticism and take that into account when finishing his books. But the, the, the ultimate question is, do we think that those books are, are ever going to get published? Is he going to, you know, find a way to wrap up the story? I would, the money is there. I mean, he would have to at least publish one within the next two years before we get any of the prequels. Cause it's going to be a while before we get the prequels, mm-hmm. you know, again, uh, you know, casting the right people. Like if we're going to. So you can't, just, I mean, if they do what they did with this series and go with unknowns, you still have to follow these characters now we have an uh, affection for these characters so even if you like i said is go with an unknown you can't just get joe smo off the street so in order to satisfy the, the craving he has an opportunity i mean it's just good business but i would hope that he learned from this season and doesn't rush it i'd rather him publish one book every three years but have it be a good book and kind of like in a continuation and a little bit more clarity on these characters. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that, Jenny. Yeah, I'd like him to publish a book every three years too, but he hasn't publishing books. He's been writing. It's just not the book that everyone wants, which gets into the part of like, should I mean? I guess this actually is very relevant to the show. Is should writers do exactly what you want them to do, and do they have agency over their own stories or not? Right. <laughs> Right. Um, but speaking of prequels and stuff, I, I don't know if this is a good segue to talk about the this, spinoffs. Yeah, this the is the, the perfect segue because we the only thing we know about the prequel series is that uh, Naomi Watts is cast in it. And that's about it. Um, I think there's a few others. I think there's this one guy that was like they tried to make him a thing in like YA literature and I can't remember his name for the life of me right now oh really but, uh, <laughs> he's like young Grindelwald in the first Harry Potter series he was in some YA I think vampire series oh, that you know, did I, not yeah I know who you're talking about uh, yeah. is it Mortal, no not Mortal Instruments no something like that yeah. anyway um well, that one should be really interesting because I don't know if you guys both know this, but it's about the Age of Heroes, which is kind of the era where the White Walkers and the Knights King, which he exists, I think, only in the show. I don't think Knights King actually like physically exists in the books yet. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where he was like created and kind of where the Starks and Lannisters like their houses began because all these houses don't exist in the Age of Heroes. So it's it's gonna be something. Yeah, that's that is that sounds interesting. I, I mean, I'm I'm just excited to see more of this world and see more of it expanded. Whether that's them going back into like a, a prequel kind of thing or them going, you know, way way into the future with this. I I just I I love this world so much. Like in the same way that I love Middle Earth. So any any opportunity we get to see more of the world, I'm like a hundred percent in on it. I just Obviously, you want them to make sure that the story is good and the writing is good and all that stuff and the, and the acting is good. But, um, you know, I, this is 
this is just like uh, it's it's such a profitable franchise. Of course, they're going to you know continue it in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Kathy, are are you excited for this prequel series? For you know any of the spinoffs and whatnot? Yes, I am. I feel like we're in for a treat between um, that and the Lord of the Rings series. I mean, we're going to yeah. have quite stuff to talk about. I also feel like this is like a good learning curve for the Lord of the Rings folks that are working on that show, you know, to kind of learn a little bit to to be strong continuously. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I definitely like absolutely. I'm interested in in seeing you know if they they show us the relationship between Robert and Ned. You know, do we get to see how all of these crazy events started? You know, the birth of John. There's so many different ways that you can go. Will we get to meet the Mad King? You know, will we see that family in charge before the Lannisters? So yeah, I mean, again, there's. There's myriads of ways to go. And as much as, you know, some people are saying like, oh, I'm never watching it again. We're all going to be around the TV wanting to see. It's like crack. We oh, can't yeah. let it go. Absolutely. I mean, you see all these people tweeting like, oh, I'm canceling my HBO subscription, which, first of all, don't do that because there's a great show called Barry on right now. <laughs> Just, <laughs> and Watchmen is coming. And Watchmen is coming. I know. It's like, what, what are you doing? You're being crazy, people. Come on. Uh no, I, I completely agree with everything uh, both of you said. So to to put a cap on this uh, very long but very, uh, you know, meaty discussion, what, uh, starting with you, Jenny, what do you think is going to be the legacy of Game of Thrones? And do you think over time, uh, you know, people will kind of soften on this final season? I think over time people will soften on the ending, but I don't ever necessarily see that it'll be anyone's favorite season. Sure. Um... I I think the legacy of Game of Thrones will be the fact that it it very well might be the last TV show people watch week to week. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. to discuss. Because um, television... So it's really interesting when you think about how Game of Thrones started, because Game of Thrones started in a pre-binging, pre-Netflix, putting an entire season on line for you to watch in one day, like, world. It started in a world where you still watched episodes of a show like week to week and then it ended in a world where we kind of like inhaled television differently and I I think it'll always kind of go down as an interesting show and probably the last of its kind in that way but also the fact that it's like a huge spectacle and it's one of the first of its kind that kind of like had money poured into it to create this world that and world build something that we've never seen on tv before yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kathy, same question to you. I mean, it is. You know, I said to someone the other day, I, regardless of this season, I'm glad it brought us together. Our love of a show gave us a reprieve from the crazy world we're in. It 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 was people from all different backgrounds. It was people from all over the world. Like my family's from Brazil and they were right there with me, you know. Gosh, people awesome. were having watch parties and we don't have those moments anymore, especially with streaming. We don't have appointment TV. And this show managed to do that. But everything we've got going on, Sunday night at 9 o'clock, 
you knew not to call people. So in, in that way, you know, I think I think it's great. And I think, you know, again, it's the one thing, young, old, no matter where you are in the world, you can actually say to people, can you believe it? Like 10 years from now, like we did, like my grandmom and them talk about, you know, where were you when JR got shot? We can now talk about where were you when, you know, Arya killed the Night King. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's such a good point. It'll, it's... I agree. It's it goes beyond just being a, you know, a television show. It's really just like a a cultural phenomenon. And uh, I also agree. I don't think we're going to see anything like it again unless they decide to do, you know, week to week with like the spinoffs and stuff like that. But even still, it's it's not it's not going to be the same because it's not. I guess you could say the original or something like that. It wasn't like the first show to really do this um, and, and like have all this money poured into it and be this like high um, you know, just be this, just this larger than life fantasy epic that was just incredibly well written, um, well directed, well shot. Uh, the performances were exceptional. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I can speak for all of us when I say I, we're going to be sad to see it go. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right, like next Sunday, <laughs> right. We have the behind the scenes. Yeah. And then like, because we're all so trained, right. We're like Pavlo's dogs. We're going to be like, Oh, it's Sunday at nine. Oh. <laughs> what yeah. do I watch? And we'll try to watch other things and do other things and they won't be the same. Yeah. Yeah, no, I uh, completely agree. Well, and I think that's the perfect way to end this discussion on Game of Thrones Season 8, the final season. Thank you to both uh, uh, Jenny and Kathy for, for joining me on this. It was really awesome to hear your guys' takes on not only the, the series series finale, but the, the season as a whole. Uh, Kathy, where, where can everyone find you on the internet? You can find me at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I, IA underscore woods and uh, you can go to our side cup of soul show where you know you see me trampsing around at a film festival or a screening near you <laughs> there you go and uh, Jenny I believe you have a film festival to plug right I do. Um, so the film festival that me and my programming team worked really hard to program is going to be in Austin, uh, June 13th through the 16th, where we are bringing Asian and Asian American films from all over. And our headliners, actually, it's a really fun fact. Uh, seven of the 11 films that we programmed were directed by women. That's um, yeah. Uh, so... Yeah, that's going to be in Austin. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, if you're in the Austin area or in Texas at all, uh, or if you just like going to film festivals, you should 100% check that out. That sounds incredible. If I could fly out there myself, I honest to God would. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, anyways, uh, definitely go go give these two a follow. Uh, Jenny, where can people find you on Twitter? Oh, uh, you can follow me at Jenny Lee, L-E-I-G-H, X-3-3. Okay. Awesome. Well, uh, that's going to do it. As always, guys, uh, you know, this show is part of the playlist Podverse. Pod, Podverse. I, well, you know, that's how you know we've been recording for an hour and a half. I start making up words. Um, this show is part of the Playlist Podcast Network. So if you enjoy what we have to say and you want more, be sure to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to uh, podcasts because there's a lot of great content there that I'm sure many of you will enjoy. Um I've been Griffin Schiller, and if you like what I have to say, you can give me a follow on Twitter at Griff Schiller. And that's going to do it for this discussion. And until next time, take care. <laughs>